We're really glad you're here. If, if you're uh, a first or second time guest with us, my name is Tanner Turley. I'm the lead pastor here of Redemption Hill, and it's an honor to serve uh, this great church and to see God do an awesome work in it. Well, if you uh, have your Bibles, open up to the Gospel of Luke. We are starting our new series. It will be about 40 Sundays, not right in a row. We'll take a few little breaks in between, but we are starting the Gospel of Luke. Uh, it's the third Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, then John. And if you're using one of the Bibles we provided for you, it'll be on page 855 there of the Bibles that we provided for you. And uh, before I forget, I want to just say that we have free Bibles. If you need a paperback Bible, you just want to use the, the version that we use on Sundays, the ESV. We have free Bibles back there. They're going to be up here. And also a copy of the Gospel of Luke that you may not only want to just take and read for yourself. You might want to grab one or two copies, give it to a friend uh, that, that may be interested in learning more about the life and teaching of Jesus. Well, on that note, let me just ask you, have you ever studied the life of Jesus? I mean, I know you know about Jesus. You're here after all, right? Um, so, 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 but, but have, you ever, have you ever really dove in to understand who he is, what he did, and why he came? And the difference that could, would, and should make in our lives if we would truly embrace all of who he is. See, after all, a cursory glance at the person and work of Christ is, is not enough to, to kind of cut it. I mean, we should, we should not take this question, who is Jesus, with any sense of levity, right? I mean, these are, these are weighty matters. This man claimed to be God. People called him and worshiped him as the God man, left everything to follow him so that they can not only understand his mission, but they could be on the mission with him themselves. And so our goal as we roll through this series in Luke is to give a full picture of the person and work of Jesus Christ. You say, why is that so important? Well, here's, here's the deal. So many people want to take a slice of Jesus. Maybe we could call it the buffet approach to Jesus and Christianity. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, some people say, I'll take some of what he taught, you know. Uh, you can have treasure in heaven and give us our daily bread and don't judge, right? We, everyone loves that, even if we don't understand what he meant by that statement. Um, but anyway, we love, we love that about Jesus, but, but some of the, the more, you know, radical claims and teachings about loving your enemies and giving radically to the poor, and, and all of this, this talk about, hey, if you really want to follow me, then why don't you put your hand to the plow and not look back? Why don't you deny yourself, take up your cross as I am going to do, and then you might be worthy of following me. You see, oftentimes we want to, to pick and choose what we want to accept about Jesus. And because of, because of this, some people in some churches really want to dilute the person and work of Christ. They want to sanitize him, if you will. Make him a little more, more tolerable, more acceptable, more palatable. But what Luke does and what we want to do as we roll through this series is we just want to give you the full picture of who he is. And this person is teaching in his work. You see, it's, 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 it's all of that. We, we need to understand that, that who Christ is holds personal significance 
but, but, but not only that, not only personal significance, but cosmic implications for everyone in the history of the world. This is what Luke is going to, to, to teach us. And so if you can kind of think about it like this, I don't know if we have any uh, art appreciators out there, but you know, who of us would, would go to the museum and see uh, a picture of, of uh, Van Gogh's Starry Night, right? Anyone like that painting? It's pretty cool. I used to love Van Gogh. was my favorite artist in elementary school because I just saw the swirls and stuff. I was... Anyway, you may not need to know that. But, um, but, but who, who would go look at Starry Night and just focus in on like one star, Just say, you know what, hey, that star, I mean, that's it. I'm going to crop out the rest of the painting and I'm just going to take that one or two stars with me and we're going to, you know, just focus. I mean, you don't get the full painting, right? You don't get the full appreciation, the full value. And that's what we want to do here with with the Gospel of Luke. We want to to give you the full picture because that's what Luke is after. So as we dive into Luke's Gospel this morning, I want to invite you. Here's the invitation, all right? Wrestle with the mission of Jesus. Quite simple. Wrestle with the mission of Jesus and its implications for your life. That's the invitation this morning. And the word choice here is intentional, wrestle. What does that convey? It conveys the idea that we are going to be in this kind of intense tug of war, this this, uh, going back and forth, really seriously considering, really seriously questioning, even doubting bringing your skepticism to the table, putting them on the table and letting God kind of work those out just a little bit or a lot bit. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So as we dive into Luke, I just want to say whether, I mean, this, this is the invitation for someone who is very new to Christianity, maybe brand new, maybe not even a believer in Christ. But it's also for the person who has read the gospel 100 times. We need to constantly be wrestling with the person and work of Christ because there is nothing in our life that Jesus does not want to touch and transform with all of who he is. So on that note, let's dive into Luke chapter one, and we're gonna primarily be in the prologue this morning, the first four verses of chapter one, and then we'll hit the key verse in just a bit. So this is what Luke writes, verse one. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who were from the, from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So let's just hit up some introductory matters to the gospel of Luke because we don't wanna jump in. A lot of times we jump into a particular chapter and kind of miss the context. We know that that often doesn't work out so well. So let me just introduce you to Luke and the gospel of Luke. So who was the author? Both, both internal evidence in the, the Bible and external evidence through church history and other sources do not highly question at all that, that Luke was the author of the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, which is the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. Now, who was Luke? Luke was a, a cultured, educated man. We know this because scholars tell us that the finest literary Greek was written in Luke and Acts. Luke was also a doctor, 
We find this in Colossians 4. He, was, he went on the, the, the missionary journeys, the second and third missionary journeys with the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. And, and so Paul, actually, when he's writing to the Colossians, he talks about the faithfulness of Luke. Luke loved God. He was a worker for the gospel, a servant of the word himself. And so when, when Paul is writing at the end of his life in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, the beloved physician Luke alone is with me. So we know that Luke was, was educated, he was a doctor, he was a faithful man. But then when did he write? Well, we won't go into all the details, but it's, it's, it's very, very likely, I believe, that, that he wrote in the early to mid-60s. All right, think about this. This was, this was roughly 30 years after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Number three, who were the recipients? Well, we just found out as we read the prologue, there was this man named Theophilus. His name means lover of God, okay? You can almost see that in the Greek. The, 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 theology, right? God, Phyllis, all right? Theophilus. And those of you that don't know, one of our, our staff members has a middle name named Theophil. All right, that would be Josh Miller. So you can call him that for the rest of the time that you know him. Uh, very, very much rings of, of Theophilus. So this is some good stuff here. Um, so, so Theophilus was the, the primary recipient. He seemed to be a Roman official of some sort. And, and added to that, Luke knows that he's not just writing to Theophilus here. He is writing for a larger, broader Gentile audience. He's writing to people who may not have been considered part of the people of God, the Jewish people, but, but those outside of, 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 of Jewish ethnicity. And so he wants all people to know the truths about the life and teaching and work of Christ. Now, let's ask, why did he write? Well, he spells it out for us in verse four. Look at what he says one more time. This is so crucial. He says, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So Luke is writing to confirm the faith of Theophilus in the main character who, here's a, here's a shocker, was Jesus, all right? And he, he wants Theophilus to know. It seems that Theophilus was a new convert to Christianity. And he wants Theophilus to have some confidence, some assurance, some certainty in the things that he has heard and been taught. I mean, can we not sympathize with Theophilus just a little bit? I mean, he, he did not get to see these things with his own eyes. We, we, we have to assume that he had never met Jesus, heard Jesus teach, but he had heard all of the reports. Jesus walked on water. Jesus cast out demons. Jesus fed 5,000 people with just a couple loaves of bread and a few fish. Jesus died on a Roman cross. This man who claimed to be God died on a Roman cross and they say he rose from the dead. Can't you understand that Theophilus might have had some questions swirling in his head? And so Luke is a good friend here to Theophilus, and he goes on a mission to understand what Jesus did, who he was, so that he could report back to Theophilus and broadcast this to the world. Now, how did he go about writing it? This is why the, the, the prologue is so important. To sum it up, we could say that he undertook this, this project by careful investigation. All right, look, look back in, in what, he, what he says. He says in verse two that, that just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good 
also to me, having followed, don't miss this, having followed all things closely for some time past to write an orderly account. So this careful investigation was based on oral tradition, written documents, and eyewitness accounts. We can tell that, that Luke took his time here. He, he, had, he had consulted. I mean, he would have to travel to get to these eyewitnesses to compile all of this. Or maybe this is an encouragement to our college students that are at Tufts and MIT and Harvard and Emerson and, and on down the list we could go. I mean, you know, Luke spent some time here and, and he, it seems, didn't procrastinate, you know, to get this job done. Okay, so just let me encourage you from my own experience here, all right, both in grad school and, 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 and undergrad and probably on back to kindergarten, um, that procrastination brings pain, all right? So that's just an addendum to the sermon. It's not the main point, but hopefully that helps you out uh, just a little bit. So, so, so Luke is, is, is working hard to bring this true report. He was a careful the, uh, historian, all right? Scholars say he was a historian of, of the first class. But he is not just a historian. He is a historian and a theologian. He's not just reporting about events, but he's taking those events and these facts that he's gathered and he is presenting them in a theological way. He is not only giving these events, but he is interpreting the events for us. Now, we know that many people question the validity and re reliability of the Bible, right? Right? They certainly do this with the Gospels. I mean, how, how can we know? Was Jesus, was, was, was the Jesus that we see in the Gospel the real Jesus? Or was there some other historical Jesus? And, and this presentation of Jesus just kind of won out. Have you ever read the Da Vinci Code? This is the argument, the, the flawed and faulty argument of the Da Vinci Code. That Constantine kind of signed off on Christianity and, and that's how it won out. Okay, well, we see very, very, very clearly that these claims were from the beginning from eyewitnesses. And they would have, could have been easily disputed and, and, and were uh, there in the early church. So let me just give a few encouragements on the, the reliability of the Gospels. Okay, I borrowed these from Tim Keller's book, Reason for God, it's on our back table. There's nothing new under the sun. He probably borrowed them from other scholars like Mark Coppinger or, uh, or others maybe that, uh, that, uh, that have written on uh, the Gospel of Luke. So here, here are just a few, all right, for your consideration. Number one, the Gospels were written too early to be legend. I just gave you a date for, for the Gospel of Luke. All of the Gospels were probably written between 30 and 60 years of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Number two, the Gospels are too shocking to be legend. All right, who, who if, if, if they're trying to, you know, win over a crowd, would portray a crucified Messiah? Who would give, put, put, put the, the first witnesses to his resurrection as women? I mean, women were, 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 were not held up and esteemed in the first century like they, they are today. And so this would, this would not have been a wise move if they were just fabricating myth about Jesus, Right? Not only that, it exposes the, the flaws of the followers of Christ. He, he left his mission in the hands of, of men who didn't have it all together. And that's really clear as we read the Gospels. And then, and then finally, the Gospels are too detailed to be legend. C.S. Lewis, who was uh, a great uh, writer in the, in the last century, points this out in some of his works. 
we look at all the details that are included and they don't seem to be the work of fiction. No, not at all. So the Gospels are, are reliable. And before we move into just the central message that, that Luke uh, wants to bring us through his Gospel, I just want to share a few unique features of Luke, okay? Uh, number one, Luke is the longest Gospel that we have, okay? It's only 24 chapters, but it is the longest. In fact, here's a little Bible trivia for you. Who wrote more of the New Testament than any other writer? Do you know? Was it, was it Paul? He had 13 letters. Was, was it John? He had the Gospel of John, three letters by John, Revelation by John. It wasn't Paul, it wasn't John, it was Luke. Luke wrote most of the New Testament, all right? Because he, he penned the, the Gospel of Luke and the sequel, the, the book of Acts. So, so just remember this, okay? This is important. As we study through Luke, he is conveying one big story, all right? He is going to take up and act what he began in Luke. Basically, Luke deals with the mission of Jesus, and Acts takes up the mission of Jesus through the disciples and in the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, so we're not going to jump back and forth all the time, but we will always be keeping Acts in mind. Some of the themes that we see in Luke will be traced out through the book of Acts. And then we also find a lot of unique material in the, in the Gospel of Luke. All right, there, there are parables, very famous parables that we'll study, like the Good Samaritan, like the Pharisee and the tax collector, uh, the rich man and Lazarus. Maybe you've heard of this parable of the prodigal son. It's only found in Luke's Gospel. And, and one thing I love about Luke's Gospel, of the 1,151 verses that we'll work our way through, almost half of them are the direct, direct quotations of the, of the words of Jesus. So there's going to be so much that we find in the gospel of Luke, so much, so much spiritual nourishment and encouragement and challenge for us through the gospel of Luke. But if you would just say, okay, Tanner, like, you know, this is the prologue here. We're going on a journey here together. How would you maybe try to sum it up and really help us get a handle on what we're about to see? Well, here's just a preview, okay? It's not comprehensive, but it's a preview of what we're going to see in Luke's gospel. And here is the overarching theme Ready for this? We'll give it to you in three points. Number one, the mission of Jesus fulfills God's plan of salvation. All right? The mission of Jesus fulfills uh, God's plan of salvation. And the key verse, most scholars say, the key verse in the gospel of Luke is Luke 19.10, a verse that you can memorize before you leave this morning. It is our meta memo verse this week. It says this, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. You got that? So, so Luke and everything that he covers, he is conveying one big story of how Jesus came on a mission to save people who were lost. So let's just break this down a bit. Number one, Jesus came to seek. He was on a rescue mission, all right? If, if we're on the Titanic, man, the ship is going down. If, 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 if the hospital is on fire, man, we are in the bed and we cannot get down the escape stairs. And I, and I know that's a graphic picture, but, but this, this doesn't even begin to touch the reality, the spiritual reality of, 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 of the depth of our need and the seriousness of our lostness. If we have not been re reconnected to God through Christ and experienced the salvation that he brings to all people. 
And so Jesus was on a mission to save people from the predicament of their sin. And one thing that I love about Luke is he highlights how that Jesus was so completely resolved to get this mission done. So how how do you know that, Tanner? Well, we're going to see it, but in Luke 9.51, it says very clearly that Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, let me translate that for you. In other words, Jesus resolved. He set his face. It means he was determined to go to Jerusalem. And what would happen at Jerusalem? He would die on a Roman cross for the sin of the world. So we see this in Luke 9. He's going to tell us this again in chapter 13, 17, 18, and 19. And if that doesn't get our attention Three separate times we have Jesus foretelling his own death to his disciples. Hey, listen up. It's not going to last forever here. I'm going to be killed, sacrificed. And oh, by the way, I will rise again. So Jesus was completely resolved to come and to seek us to accomplish God's plan of redemption for the salvation of the world, which brings us to the next piece of this verse. Jesus came to seek and Jesus came to save. The Greek word that is prominent throughout the gospel of Luke is the Greek word sozo. And the reason I share that this morning is, is not to, you know, tell you that I can look, look up my di- Greek dictionary and, you know, catch back up on what I learned in seminary. But, but that, that word is so full. It means not only to save, but also to heal. And, and we might expect this from Luke being a doctor that, that he would be interested in a reality that it saves and heals. Why is this? Because Luke knew of something of the brokenness in our world. I mean, is there a person in the room today that cannot look at the world and see that things are not going as good as we would like for them to? We live in a broken, fractured world, a world that is in desperate need of redemption and restoration. And it's not just the world. This is a cosmic reality that that Jesus is gonna one day fix forever, but it's also a personal reality. I mean, I I don't, let's just brush the Bible to the side. Okay, not for too long, but just for a second, all right? The Bible certainly has standards, okay? God has standards and commands and expectations for us but for our good. But, but, but even if we just set aside the Bible standard, I, I would question, and if any of you can even live up to your own standards. Anybody? Can anybody live up to your, you, you set these ideas and these goals and you wanna do this and do that and you can't even do it much less God's standards and expectations. What does that tell us? It tells us that we don't have it all together. We're broken. Man, we, we're, our hearts are filled with that which we do not really want. Whether that's pride or lust or greed or jealousy, or you can go on down the list. Man, we are a broken and fractured people in deep need of healing and salvation. But here's the good news, okay? God, in spite of our flaws, he sees them all by the way the ones that no one else sees in your life. I mean, he sees them all and he loves us anyway. And his grace is sufficient to heal us and to save us out of all of our brokenness and sin. 
what you see in the magazine does not match reality, right? It's been photoshopped all to pieces, right? I mean, it's been cropped up and, and touched up and brushed out and, and, and it doesn't match reality. But here's the deal. We can laugh at, we can laugh at that and it's, you know, it's, it is funny if we see sometimes how they really look. Um, but, you know, we can laugh at that, but, but what about our own lives? What, what about, I mean, do we not do this? Do we not put on the mask? We put on this facade. We have it all together. Man, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not broken. I don't need to be fixed. I don't need to be healed. I don't need to be saved. I don't need to be rescued. But in the depths of who we are, we know different. And so the good news for you, for me, for us today, for all people, is that Jesus came to seek and save He can save us out of all of our brokenness because we are lost, whether we know it or not. Listen, one of my prayers as we go through this series is just that God would convince us of our lostness. The only thing that's worse than being lost is being lost and not knowing it, right? That's that's worse. So if God would would show us our, our need, our brokenness, our sin, and bring the healing and salvation that only comes through Christ. This was the mission of Jesus. He fulfilled God's plan of salvation. Number two, I love this. The mission of Jesus brought salvation for all people. All right, now, ironically, some of the people that we would expect to be in this new community that that God is creating are not going to be included, all right? The religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees and scribes, they, they, they they are... keeping themselves out. Why? Because they were, they were religious on the outside with no change on the inside. And I know that everyone today wants to bash the church as being hypocritical, but listen, no one had more harsh words for hypocrites than, than Jesus. I mean, we're gonna see this as we read the gospel of Luke. And so some of the people that we think would be inside are actually outside. And a lot of the people that we think would be outside and should be outside actually get in on the inside. Why? Because the gospel, the mission of Jesus brings salvation for all people. And this is what we're gonna see as we go through Luke. I love the gospel of Luke. It's one of the reasons that we chose this gospel to go through because he highlights the universal scope of salvation. He's gonna bring example after example after example of how the gospel is not just for the Jews, it's also for the Greeks, including the barbaric Romans at times and the Samaritans who were despised by the Jews. It's gonna show us that the gospel is for both male and female. It's going to show us that the gospel is for the free and the slave, the rich and the poor, widows, cripples, prostitutes. The gospel is for all. Luke had a love and affinity for the weak and marginalized of society. I love this about Luke, but I love it even more about Jesus because this is the mission of Jesus, by the way. So, so as, we, as we think about um, what Luke is doing in his gospel, I mean, are you ready for this? It even tells us that Jesus was a, fr- I mean, God is calling you right now trying to get your attention. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what that is. <laughs> there you go. Wait, you hung up. That's not good. Uh, <laughs> it's been a fun day at Spring Stop. So... <laughs> So it even says, don't miss this, okay? We're gonna see it again. It says that Jesus was a friend of sinners. 
Jesus, the perfect man, the God man, the holy one, was a friend of sinners. Are, are you? Am I? So the gospel that Luke presents is a gospel that is for all people. And then finally, the mission of Jesus brings transformation to all who respond. All right? The mission of Jesus brings transformation to all who respond. You see, while, the, while the, the gospel and the mission is for all, it is also intensely personal. And what Luke is going to do through his 24 chapters is he's just gonna bring in one person after another. Anna and Simeon, Matthew and Peter, Mary and Martha, widows and Romans, Roman officials, a short little man named Zacchaeus who had a lot of bank. God loves him too. But these are individuals that God is working in their life to transform their life and save. And so, so as, we, as we dive in, I really want to, to, to challenge you to consider your response to Christ. We're just gonna learn facts about Jesus. We're not gonna just, you know, find out who he is, what he did, why he came, but we're going to discover that part of why he came was to transform us, for us to respond to who he is. And the most basic responses that we see are repentance, faith, and obedience to him. In other words, we turn from the way that we're living, we, we trust in who he is and what he's done, and we follow him the way that he wants us to live our lives. And here's the beautiful part about Christianity is that that is the path to freedom. Everything else that we chase after, you know, even as we get older, you discover that all of these things that we think will satisfy us ultimately do not satisfy us. There's no freedom in these things that are, are divorced from the will of God. And so this gospel teaches us that while we are in a holistic mess, God's salvation is comprehensive and holistic and it changes everything about us, which is another great encouragement because a lot of people, again, view the church and Christianity as this kind of you know, religious system, this divorce from the realities of everyday life. But as we go through the gospel of Luke, we're gonna see that, man, God is concerned about our thoughts, our words, our wallet and even how we love our enemies. We're gonna see it all here in the Gospel of Luke. And so I hope that you will hear and answer the call of Christ when he says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If you wanna follow me, here's what you have to do. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and then you can follow me. But just know this, that here's the, the paradox of the kingdom. If you lose your life for my sake, you're gonna find it, you're gonna save it, and you're gonna have it all. This is what Jesus calls us to in the gospels. And so I want to encourage all of us to soak it up this morning, all right? Soak up the gospel. How can you do it? Here are a few just quick ways, all right? Number one, personal reading. If you just sat down and opened up the book, 24 chapters, if, if you're a fast reader, it's like a trip to Ikea, you know what I'm saying? Two hours <laughs> if you're working hard, Okay. And, and if, uh, if you're a slow, we just went this week, I'll spare you the details. But um, if you're a slower reader, okay, which is cool, you're with me, then, uh, then that would be like the trip down and maybe the trip back with the shop, okay? So, so two hours or a little more, you can read through the gospel. And think about this, if you just read three or four chapters a day, you can knock it out in a week. 
So let's soak it up. Let's read it together. Number two, Sunday worship. I mean, be here, bring a friend, and let's really dive in passage by passage, about 40 studies through the gospel of Luke. We're gonna dive into the personal work of Christ. Number three, community groups. I know we've already highlighted that, but it's not enough for what's going on here. We wanna dive in together and really seek to live this out and apply it to our lives. That's what happens in community groups. We discuss the sermon every week, pray about it, pray for one another, encourage one another, hang together. And so do this in community. And then number four, engage in some missional reading. So we told you, we're gonna have copies of, of the gospel of Luke. It's called Essential Jesus. You can take one of those for yourself, but even more than that, take one for a friend who you know. I mean, they're, they're, they may not be a believer in Christ yet. That's okay. We can't force anyone. We talked about this last week. We can't force anyone to believe, but we can just say, hey, you know what? I think it would be worth just a bit of your time to really consider the claims of Christ. I mean, just a few hours, maybe a few weeks, maybe a few years of your life in the grand scheme of eternity, I think that would be a pretty wise move. And so take a copy of Essential Jesus with you and go share it with a friend and invite them to come with you on Sunday as we seek to soak this up. So as we, as we close this morning, I, I just want to, to encourage you to, to listen, to, to, to make a commitment here, to, to dive into this, this study, this, this journey with both feet. Not just content to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, that's nice for those people. I'll just get a little dab here and there. But to really give this a hard look, a serious consideration of who Jesus is and what that means for each of our lives. Because I concur with C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite quotes, who says this, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen. Not only because I can see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the, the, the opening to uh, an awesome study through the Gospel of Luke. And God, we thank you that you've preserved it for us, that you've given it to us, and you've inspired your, your words to, to teach us and instruct us and to give us life. And Lord, we pray that, uh, that you would use it, that, that no one person in here would be the same after having encountered Jesus in your word. And Lord, on a, on a, a larger scale, we pray that you would transform our church to be a, a, a church that loves Jesus, that lives for Jesus, that knows of his love and mercy and grace and forgiveness and holiness and compassion and that we would begin to reflect him and live for him more and more and more in our lives each day. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.